0: Every week, it's my goal to share a story of someone's journey through their life and financial vineyard. We'd like to take you from the roots to the journey of their vines and the influences in the air that have helped craft their delicious lives. Like wine, life and finances have different palettes that should be celebrated and not judged. Welcome to this edition of Wine and Dime with Amy Irvine. Once again this month, we are talking about investment terminology. That's the journey that we're taking. But before we hop on that journey, let's grab my favorite Riesling, which is, and I'm sure you've heard of this before, Goldfinch. Not a favorite of mine and as a general rule, Riesling is not. But I really particularly like this wine made from a uh, Southern Finger Lakes winery called uh Prijan sorry about that and Prijan is sort of in between Watkins Glen and Geneva and sort of sits out by itself beautiful view if you ever are looking for a journey or tri- trip this is a winery that really is about the journey and not just going to a winery but about the journey to a winery beautiful view from the deck of the winery great wine i've mentioned their rosé their cab franc Uh, They have a good Chardonnay, but from a reasoning perspective, I really particularly like their reasoning because they do something very special with it at the end. They throw in some oak chips that make it buttery, which shocks your palate when you're thinking about Riesling. Anyway, grab that glass if you tend to enjoy that, or even if you think you don't, try this. I I really recommend it. No, I don't get paid from them by making this recommendation. I just really enjoy it. And I think it's a great wine to pair up to what we're about to speak, speak on today. And that's taking it the next step when we're talking about investments. When we're trying to educate people on investments, one of the things that um, we try to do is first look at sort of your strengths, your areas to watch and explore, your threats and your opportunities. Here's some questions that I'd like you to ask yourself when you're thinking about these kinds of things. First, before you get into investing, do you have sufficient cash on hand? If you have an emergency, you don't want and the, and the markets happen to be down, you don't want to have to sell at that period of time, right? So, first question is. Before you even get into investing, do you have some significant cash on hand? Secondly, talking about risk, and, and the last episode of Wine and Dime, we dug into the various types of risks. So um, feel free to uh, listen to the last episode if you wanna learn more about risk capacity, uh, which is your gut, um, risk need, which is how much your portfolio needs to grow, and then inflation rate risk, which has to do with inflation, of course. How does your portfolio as it is right now match that overall risk tolerance? And do you have, if not in writing, at least in your head, sort of an investment policy statement that you want your portfolio run by? I'll get into that in just a little bit about what is an investment policy statement, but we don't have a per se, a specific written IPS as we abbreviate it, but we certainly incorporate that IPS within our investment analysis and recommendations and SWOT that we do for our clients. If not, then if it doesn't match your allocation, then you need to make some changes there. Um, Do you have multi-sources? Again, that's something that I touched based on uh, last last week, looking at different types of income sources and and different weightings. Do you have tax deferred? Do you have tax free? Do you have taxable? What are the expense ratios on your holdings? Looking at what your expense ratios are, are they under a half of a percent, over a half of a percent? What's your overall expense ratios? Now, one of the things that we look at when we're looking at expense ratios isn't just the cost of the mutual fund or the ETF, but it's the performance and the two have to go hand in hand. If you're paying More for that particular ETF or mutual fund, then you should see more as far as return goes. Usually, if it's an actively managed mutual fund or ETF, then it's going to cost a little more because there's brain power behind it and people are doing more investigation and work versus an index, which is kind of that passive investing style, which really is just filing a particular index. Again, that was sort of dug into last week. We also want you to be thinking about the longev- longevity of the portfolio how how long are the various buckets that your money is investing or you're investing for is this a short-term investment a short-term goal is it a long-term investment long-term goal does it seem like it's sufficient or do you need to add to that bucket in addition to the investing equation also take into consideration taxes now we don't want taxes to drive the overall investment allocation but we certainly want you to take into consideration what it looks like if you're doing any trading and the, the impact that capital gains actually has on the portfolio and also the type of holdings that you have in different portfolios and how they can generate capital gain distributions not that that's a bad thing just understand how it's going to affect you from a tax perspective. We should be looking at filling up tax brackets if you're taking distributions, in the portfolio, we should be looking at taking distributions. If you're in a position that would fill up the tax bracket, um, that's something that's really important. So uh, looking at it from that, that perspective. And then finally, looking at the overall allocation and by allocation, we want to look at Are you con- do you have concentrated positions, meaning one individual position that makes up too much of the portfolio. And is there a stock sector that's overweighted compared to others? For example, are you too heavily weighted in technology or energy or health So making sure that it's not just about one, not just looking at the one position, but also looking at the overall stock allocation to make sure that you have a well diversified portfolio across all asset classes when we think about investments this is where i hear a lot of people say i just don't understand them and some of the is i'm sure the language that gets thrown around in our profession uh but again just thinking um thinking about what are investments so if we were to go back to sort of investing 101 in a way um i'd love to talk about what are the different kinds of investments that you could hold so if i was thinking about what is a stock or what is a bond or what is a mutual fund or what is an etf right those are all terms that we throw around and and what is the market and i always chuckle when people say the market i'm like well which one Uh, because there's lots of different markets out there that exist, and there's lots of different indexes out there that exist. So thinking about starting at the beginning, what is cash or cash equivalents, right? So that could be a CD, it could be a money market fund, it could be cash in a savings account, it could be cash in a checking account. But cash is truly cash, where cash equivalents can be something that's similar to cash, but it could be short term and um, funds that are all put together in a money market account. Now, what's the difference between a, uh, a mutual fund that says money market and a savings checking account at a credit union or a bank? Well, one is protected by FDIC or and um the NCUA, which is um, a similar for credit unions. So it's protected from the standpoint of making sure if that financial institution falls like you would get your money back up to a certain amount. Right. But if it's a money market account through a mutual fund, they're generally priced at a dollar, but they are priced. And a few years ago, there was a big fear that the prices might actually go below a dollar. These are not guaranteed like a savings or checking account, but they're, they're um, similar. That's a cash equivalent. They're similar in nature in the sense that they generally are priced at um, at a dollar. So again, just want to make sure that people understand that just because something says money market and it's a mutual fund money market doesn't mean. that it is something that is guaranteed. So that's cash and cash equivalents. Then there's bonds. Bonds come in different shapes and sizes, just like stocks do. It might be a treasury bond. It could be, I guess, other US government bonds. There could be what we call investment grade bonds, which are more higher in quality and nature, higher credit scores, if you want to call it that. Then there is high yield corporate bonds, which are lower in quality. They used to be called junk bonds, but have since been renamed to high yield. The idea behind them is they're paying higher interest rates because they're riskier bonds. Then you you also have foreign bonds, uh, mortgage-backed bonds, and municipal bonds. So those are the top bonds. Of course, there's always other things that are out there. But when you think about like what is a treasury bond? Well, that's something that's issued by the federal government. And they can be very short in nature, or they can be long in nature. So they could be something that is uh, interest rate and, uh, protection, or it could be just something that they're issued like a 30 year or something like that. Um, you know, they tend to be safe and and allow for a lot more protection in the portfolio. That's not to say that their prices don't change, because remember, when interest rates go up, bond prices go down. Other government bonds might be uh, agency bonds that are issued by federal agencies, such as Fannie Mae, the Federal National Mortgage Association, could be the Government uh, National Mortgage Association. But you get the point that they're backed by the government. Um, The investment grade bonds, remember, those were the higher grade bonds that companies offer. They have a higher credit score. They have ratings that are called Moody's or standards and poor, they have higher ratings, they're, um, they're bonds that have history or, you know, have always uh, paid on time, that sort of thing uh, they, they tend to do better in up market, like up, uh, I would say safer markets, but when there's fear of companies not being able to pay back or something like that, then they would probably perform less because again, they would be riskier. Like in 2007, eight, nine, they didn't perform as well as treasuries because everybody was flocking to treasuries. There was a flight to risk, but that's not to say that they're, um, you know, they're not a, they're a great, uh, allocation. They're a great portion of your portfolio in my, Opinion are a good portion of your portfolio if you're looking for yield in other types of markets. High yield bonds, uh, ironically, tend to follow the stock market in their performance. So um, when we're looking at these particular p- Positions in a portfolio, they do have a higher yield, as their as their name you know speaks of, but they uh, do tend to follow that same sort of um, trend with pricing uh, that the stock market has. Foreign bonds are exactly what they are saying; they are foreign in nature, and they can add some allocation to the portfolio in the sense of currency um, balancing against currency uh, exchange rates and those kinds. Of Kinds of things, mortgage-backed bonds. Uh, they have um, exactly what they say. They are backed by mortgages. They're usually packaged all into one little nice little bundle, and they're a bunch of different mortgages together. So that's um, another way people can invest in bonds. And then municipal bonds are issued by the U.S. states and local governments or their agencies to raise revenue for roads or um, some sort of infrastructure. Often could also be school districts. Those those kinds of things. Things. Um, So bonds have risk just like stocks have risk. And I always want to point that out to people because they think a lot of times when people think of bonds, they think safety. But as I mentioned earlier, stock, I'm sorry, um, when interest rates go up, bond prices do go down. And when we're looking at how much they're going to be affected, we look at um, different characteristics of the bond and what their average effective rate is and, um, and and different. Again, is it a riskier bond? Is it a more conservative bond? Because there can be greater fluctuations in prices. And, and so we just want to make sure that people are aware of those traditional aspects of a bond. Now, when it comes to stocks, stocks have a variety of different sizes, shapes, domestic, international. So when we think of stocks, um, there are a bunch of, I guess I want to back up and explain to you what is a mid cap, What like what is a large cap, what is a mid cap, what is a small cap and what is a micro cap. So a large cap stock is a big company, right? So they're large in size. They have um, over 10 billion in value, capitalization, capitalization value. Uh, there's, there's something called a mega cap and then there's the large cap and the mega cap would be 2 billion or higher. So it would be companies like Apple or Amazon basically would be in that range of being, you know, large and mega cap in size. And then large cap would be between 10 billion and 2 billion companies like GE, IBM. Those are, those are larger kind of companies. They have a volatility, but usually. Um, and I use that word usually because it's it's not always, but uh, because there can be just as much volatility in, in large caps as any other. But they t- they tend to be of the stock options a little less volatile than some of the other positions like mid cap and small cap. They just aren't as impacted as much often by certain. Um, activity within the market. But again, those are all like you should, you should understand that all stocks have volatility and none of what I'm saying is an always kind of, um, statement. So mid caps range from two billion in size to ten billion in, in um, worth of market cap, and they are considered more volatile than large caps. And certainly, if they're growth oriented versus val- value oriented, then they may be even a little more, um, you know, volatile. They're growth is meant to be stronger and they are, um, they're reinvesting in themselves instead of paying out as much in dividend to stockholders. And then small cap companies are usually between 3 million and 2 billion. And they tend to be younger most of the time, but not always. Like There's companies out there that I can think of that have been around for a very long time and their capitalization just hasn't changed. Many of the smaller regional banks often are small cap in size, but they're st- much more stable than we think of as you know a smaller startup company. And if you think of a company like Microsoft, just think of where they are now, right? They're huge, right? But at one point in time, they were considered even, I would say, micro cap or nano cap at one point in time and they've sort of grown up through the markets they've developed into a large cap company um and and they do you know think about when they were younger they were much more volatile in size was was microsoft going to be one of the survivors or not and certainly has shown itself to be so small caps are tend to be a little more volatile certainly than mid caps uh they tend to be there tends to be more growth because they're smaller and there's greater opportunity for growth Micro cap is the next step down and that's, uh, what we have traditionally called kind of like penny stock mostly. So they're on what, again, we've called pink sheets. That's something that, uh, is very small in size between 50 million and uh, 300 million. So a lot of risk associated with micro caps and then nano caps are even riskier. So they're below the 50 million. And often if they're, if they're listed, they're definitely on the pink sheets. Um, so those are kind of different capitalization within stocks themselves. So I've, talked about cash and cash equivalents. I've talked about bonds. I've talked about stocks. Now let's talk about the combination of those positions. So when you think of a mutual fund, a mutual fund combines those categories. It can be an all cash equivalent mutual fund or money market fund. It can be an all bond uh, mutual fund, and it can be very specific. It can be all bond treasuries, all bond... Um, uh, investment grade, all bond high yield, you know, so mutual funds just combine those individual positions. They're sort of like a melting pot, for lack of a better word, where you're putting a bunch of different positions and to those funds. And that's a mutual fund. So, um, as an average investor, you know, if we're putting a couple hundred dollars away a month, then it would be really hard for us to go out and have a diversified portfolio if we were just Able to invest that couple hundred dollars in stocks or bonds or cash equivalents. So mutual funds allow us to get all of those various positions without having to buy individual positions, right? So if I buy, for example, the Vanguard Internet Vanguard Total Stock Market Fund, I am getting, I am investing in all of the total stock market without having to go out and buy all of the positions that are in the total stock market so that's the benefit of a mutual fund um, the uh pricing on mutual funds as i mentioned earlier is something that you should pay attention to if you're looking for a position that is managed like the fidelity contra fund you're going to notice a higher fee associated with that contra fund um, it, it may provide you with a higher performance, which it should if you're paying more, but pay attention to those net performance numbers because you want to see that if you are paying higher in fees that you're getting your bang, the biggest bang for your buck, where, again, just come, kind of comparing that to a Vanguard fund that may be less than 0.25% versus over 1% management. Again, I don't want people to say, oh, it's high fee, it's a bad fund. That's not always the case, but it 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 is something that you need to pay attention to from a combination perspective. So you've got all the you've got mutual funds out there that have a variety of different um, focuses, or it could be a mutual fund that has a balanced focus. So it pulls some cash, some bonds, some stocks in there and some of our favorite positions now, too, especially if you're just starting out or if your retirement plan has these options, I didn't used to like them years ago because they used to be very expensive, but anymore they've really come down in price. And they're a great option is the target date funds. Target date funds have a specific date in mind that you may need your money for. So it could be retirement. It could be education. It could be buying a house, but they have a specific year associated with them. So for example, if you were going to retire in 2030, then you could pick the Vanguard 2030 fund, knowing that that fund gets more conservative the closer you get to retirement. It does not go to cash because it assumes that you're in retirement and you're going to need to continue your money to grow while you're in retirement. So just understand that just because it gets more conservative, it doesn't go to cash. We don't really want it to. We, we know and hope that, you know, you're. I should say we don't know, but we hope that you're going to be in retirement for a long time. So we still need to have some towards uh, equity allocation. All right, so that's a mutual fund an etf which is also known as an exchange traded fund that can be the same thing as a mutual fund the only one of the differences is many of the exchange traded funds are based on a particular index i'm not saying all of them there are some managed um, exchange traded funds out there the benefits that we see with exchange traded funds is that uh, you can trade it throughout the course of the day. Uh, there are some benefits from a capital gains perspective, but um, what's called an open end mutual fund, you you only liquidate or purchase at the end of the trading day. They they, they price it at the end of the day and whatever money you wanna put it, put it in, that's how you actually get in or out of that fund. With an ETF, we can actually trade throughout the course of the day and set prices that we wanna get where with mutual funds, again, we can't do that because we don't know what the price is until the end of the day. So there's some differences. But the similarity is that when you're purchasing an, um, an exchange traded fund, you're purchasing a bucket, you're purchasing a basket of different positions. And it used to be that more and more of them were uh, very much index based. But we are starting to see some of them come out that are more managed uh, portfolios as well. So that is the overall summary of, I guess, Investing 102, kind of giving you some idea of what are the various terms and terminology of investing. We're going to have a um, blog coming out, or it may have, I think it will actually have already come out. Uh, by the time this podcast gets released so you hop on over to rootedpg.com click on our blog you can read more about this if you're interested if you have any questions that you'd like us to answer on this podcast we'd love to answer them we'd love to have you as a guest on the podcast if you if you're ever interested please feel free to reach out to me it's amy at rootedpg.com we'd love to hear from you we'd absolutely love it if you subscribe and if you like this podcast make sure you rate it it moves us up in the rankings and gets more people listening we hope you have a great day and or evening whichever it is and have enjoyed this information and this podcast and that will about do it for today's episode of wine and dime you can contact amy through the website www.rootedpg.com or amy at rootedpg.com you can also follow us on facebook and instagram at Rooted PG for their latest news. And if you have any questions, comments, or topics you would like to hear about, feel free to let us know. And don't forget to rate and subscribe the show wherever you get your podcasts. And again, thank you for listening, and be sure to tune in next time.